powerful moments these are in our biblical history and in our faith history. We've been on this Lenten journey that I have called uh, Journey to the Cross. And we have uh, been experiencing and looking at that journey from a lot of different perspectives. First of all, trying to figure out where did this begin? Where did this journey start? And we discovered that the journey to the cross really began in the heart of God in eternity. Uh, The scripture tells us that Christ Jesus, being in very nature God, being God, did not consider that something to cling to, but let go of that in order to enter into human experience, human likeness, and then be obedient, even to death on a cross, so that he would then be exalted and we would be saved. And that's the journey is, is this huge uh, thing that we see across biblical uh, narrative. Uh, we saw it confirmed in the, in the Garden of Eden, and then we saw it mapped out with the disciples at Caesarea Philippi uh, at a place uh, that was described as the gates of hell. Jesus really went far away from Jerusalem to say, I'm going to Jerusalem. And I'm going to start right here in the face of the enemy to make sure he knows I'm coming for him. And it was there that he said, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, and I'm going to die and be raised again. Uh, We saw that all of this led to this week that we call holy. We're at this holy week right now. There was a dinner in his honor in Bethany the night before uh, the triumphal entry. And then there was this amazing triumphal entry as Jesus came in on a donkey. It's recorded in in the various Gospels. And then Jesus gave an amazing lesson when he had gathered the disciples for uh, the Passover Seder, the Passover meal. Uh, And he looked around and they were arguing about who was greatest, who's who's the most important one. And he said, they aren't getting it. And so he got down on his knees and he began to wash their feet. And he said, now, this, this is the picture of what the kingdom is about. This is a picture of what kingdom leadership is all about. And then he shared that Passover meal, and he instituted this remembrance that we call the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate that uh, today, and then we're going to celebrate that on Friday as well. After the Lord's Supper is where I want to pick up uh, in, in our study today. Jesus now led the disciples to an olive garden. Uh, It's an amazing place that you can visit in Israel. I want to be very, very clear, however, when I say that they went to Olive Garden, it's not the Olive Garden with the endless salad bar and the breadsticks. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, But it's a a place very close to the temple uh, on the Mount of Olives. Very, very close. And that's where we're going to be looking uh, in our scripture today. Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 30. Let's give our hearts and our minds and our ears to the word of God. I really believe that God, when we read his word among his people and his spirit is here, he is speaking among us. So let's hear what he has for us now and today. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. 
For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now let's stand and let's pray. Father God, we give thanks for your word. We give thanks that by your spirit and by the written word you speak among us, you speak into us, you speak into our very hearts and our lives and the time in which we live. God, may we hear you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. So after the Passover supper, Jesus led the disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Where was that? It wasn't far away, and you can see a map there. Over to the left is, is Upper Old City, and really not very far away uh, across this Kidron Valley on the Mount of Olives is the Garden of Gethsemane that he was going to. It, it was uh, not very far away from the temple. Uh, he, If he had wanted to be in hiding, he would have gone to Bethany, which is just a little further around on the other side of the Mount of Olives, or maybe to Ephraim, which was to the north. He had, he had sort of withdrawn to that area before. 
Clearly, Jesus was not hiding because he was in plain sight. Everybody could have seen where he was. In fact, he was within a thousand feet of the temple, and that was where they were plotting against him. A thousand feet. Think of that. Three football fields. uh, A a fifth of a mile. Just not very far away. Uh, You could have seen any kind of lamp or light that was there, any kind of fire that was going on. Could have actually heard You can hear across that Kidron Valley. You can hear the things that are going on. The scripture says that when they had sung a hymn, they went to this Mount of Olives. I don't know. I just always kind of wonder, now, which hymn were they singing? Do you wonder things like this? Come on, wonder with me. (laughs) You know, because I think of something like Onward Christian Soldiers or How Great Thou Art, but those are things that were hundreds of years in the future. Those weren't the hymns. But actually, we have a pretty good idea of what they were singing, what they were humming as they went. Have you ever had a time that was kind of hard in your life or a hard time in your week, and you found yourself just sort of humming and singing the songs maybe that we sang just this Sunday in worship? And and that song, or maybe it's something that you heard on the radio, and it's just carrying you along. Well, I found myself wondering what was going on in the heart of Jesus as he was making his way uh, into this week, into this holy week, and all the things that were in front of him. We know that the Passover included the singing of Psalms 113 through 118. It's called the Egyptian Halal. Uh, it's, all, it's all about the Exodus, the time of the Exodus. In fact, in the, uh, the motion picture, uh, The Passion of the Christ, uh, it's all, that's all in Aramaic, and then it's translated... They are actually, he, they are saying and singing this at this point in the movie. And I didn't even notice that until I was looking into it this week. But most likely, uh, Jesus and the disciples were singing Psalm 118. It's the very end of that halal. It was the last part. That's what they would have been singing as they left the Passover Seder. And as Jesus walked with his disciples, uh, he was praying these words and singing these words as he was going to be taken into custody uh, by those who he knew were going to be coming for him. Let's look at those words. Psalm 118, what was on the heart of Jesus? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron, that's the house of the priesthood, Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Why don't we say that together? His love endures forever. Let's say that. His love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. This is what's on the heart of Jesus. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. He was not afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. These were the phrases of Scripture freshly on the mind and in the heart of Jesus. He was thinking about God. He was thanking God. He was calling on Israel to give thanks to the Lord. He was calling on the house of the priesthood to give thanks to the Lord. And he was not the least bit afraid. He went to this place that 
interestingly, is called, the name of it is oil press. That's what Gethsemane means. Gat means press. Shemain or Shemin means oil. Oil press. He went to the oil press. And there is an ancient oil press that was uncovered in this garden. We know where that garden is, and you can visit it. Um, this was an area where, of course, olives were harvested and pressed here. Let me tell you a little bit about that process. Olives were first crushed into a paste, and then that paste uh, under a millstone, and a donkey was used for that. I had this interesting thought. What if the donkey that carried Jesus on Palm Sunday was the same donkey just up the road in Bethphage that had been used for the crushing of uh, these olives in the Garden of Gethsemane? The crushed olives then were placed in baskets, these narrow baskets, and then they're pressed three different times uh, and uh, under enormous pressure. It's an amazing thing to see, and you can't really see all of the leverage, the weight that is on that, that lever that presses down each time on each pressing. Uh, the first pressing is what we would call extra virgin olive oil, extra pure olive oil. The second, we would call virgin or pure olive oil. The third is called lamp oil. And, uh, and it's important to see that, those three pressings. The first pressing was used only in the temple. That was temple oil. The second pressing could be used for cooking and would, uh, all kinds of things around a house and, and maybe even anointing of some sort. Uh, the third pressing was used in lamps. That's very important because in Judaism, the number three is super important. Anything that comes in a three is to be recognized, probably because of the three patriarchs. Uh, but prayer happened at three different times during the day. Uh, it was said that anything that was done three times became a permanent thing. You say, well, how do those traditions get started? You do it three times, and then it, it's a permanent thing. And there's a special name for that, kazaka. Say that with me, kazaka. Kazaka. It's like Shazam. <laughs> um, it's interesting because in a wedding, in a Jewish wedding to this day, vows are not really uh, expressed. They're not said out loud. But the bride, uh, they will drink from a cup to say, I'm, I'm betrothing and we're agreed. And then the bride will walk in a circle around the groom once, twice, three times. And that's the vow. That's the visual vow. I think it's also kind of saying, stay away, this guy's mine, <laughs> is what's going on. But that, that number three is really important. And we see that number three in, this, uh, in these events that happen in Gethsemane. It's my consideration that uh, Jesus came to Gethsemane to pray, but also to be pressed. It was a place of pressing. Do you remember Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. He didn't deserve that. And with his wounds, wounds we are healed. It's a powerful thing to realize. We get the piercing part. That comes later on in the week. And that comes later on in that day, actually. But the crushing, what is that? I think we look at it and we see it right here 
uh, in the garden. Luke 22 tells us that uh, we see the first drop of his uh, blood here in the Garden of Gethsemane and being in an agony. It's an interesting way to phrase it, in an agony. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. There actually is a a condition uh, called uh, hematohydrosis. I think I'm saying that correctly. And it's a condition where under great stress, tiny blood vessels rupture and effuse blood into the sweat glands so that a person would sweat blood. It's not very common. I don't know that I've ever seen that in a person. But this is what most medical professionals agree was happening with Jesus, what is described here in the scripture. It's an amazing thing to think that in the place where the first drop from the first pressing of olives was used to light the menorah. You see, that was the tradition that the the first pressing was used in the temple and the first drop was held aside and gathered together and used only to light the golden menorah in the temple. That here in this place, the first drop of atoning blood pressed from our Savior, the light of the world fell to the ground. You see, it's in Gethsemane that the humanity of Jesus would be pressed and crushed and his divinity would be revealed. Our text reveals five different pressings or crushing moments that I want to lift out of the text for you uh, this morning. The first is what I'm going to call um, the crushing abandonment. Jesus experienced a crushing abandonment. He said, you're all going to fall away from me. You're all going to abandon me. It's, It's written, it's foretold that I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He was trying to give them some reassurance when that began to happen, that they would all be abandoning. It's, a, it's an interesting word because it means not an intentional falling away, but a stumbling away from him. But all those immediately around Jesus would finally abandon him. They would not be there. The second pressing that Jesus experienced was crushing denial. You see that in the conversation with Peter and the things that would transpire after this. Peter said, they may all fall away, uh, but, but not me. I will never fall away. You'd think that Peter had figured this out. Don't argue with Jesus when he tells you something. But Jesus said to him, to tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me not once, but three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die, I will not deny you. And all of the disciples said, yeah, yeah, we're we're with you. That that Greek word means to utterly deny or disown. They they are going to disown him. And we see that happen where as time goes on, given a choice, Peter says, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. And that's what we're going to see in the time that is ahead. That, That Peter, the closest to Jesus, would disown him within hours. The third pressing in the oil press, the Garden of Gethsemane, was crushing sorrow. It's hard for us to kind of fathom this, but he came and he said, sit with me for a while while I go over there and pray. And then he takes Peter and the two sons of 
of Zebedee along with him. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he, he makes a statement, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. He was in a deep grieving. We don't know exactly the nature of that. It might be anticipating the fact that he was going to be separated in some sense from his heavenly father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, It may have been over the, the pain that he was experiencing even at that point. But he had a deep grieving and distress in the mind, even unto death. You know, I talk to people sometimes And they'll say to me, you know, I'm just so grieved over things that are going on or the way that things have happened or or things that have gone on in my life. And they they will, in one way or another, say, I wish I wasn't alive. They're not saying that they're going to even do anything. But but, but I, I just don't even want to be alive. I'm grieved unto death. And sometimes they'll say, well, Jesus would never understand that. And I bring them to this scripture. Oh, Jesus understands. Jesus understands. With each of these pressings, then, there came a surrender to the Father. There's three different moments of that same surrender. There's that number three. And going a little farther, he felt on his face, and he prayed, Father, uh, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will. I surrender, but as you will. The fourth pressing that Jesus experienced was crushing indifference. He came back to the disciples. He found them asleep. (laughs) Didn't I tell you to stay awake? (laughs) And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing. I know you're willing, but the flesh is weak. You need to fight this. Again, we see surrender to the Father. Verse 42, for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And once again we see the surrender to the father. In verse 44, leaving them, he went away and prayed for the third time the same words again. A crushing indifference. And then the fifth pressing that he experienced, I'm going to call crushing betrayal. He came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. You need to sleep later. The hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. A few verses later, uh, we see that as Judas comes up, to Jesus, he says, Greetings, Rabbi. <laughs> Greetings. And he kissed him. He betrayed him with a kiss. These are the crushing presses of the place called Oil Press. That, that place where he is crushed for our iniquities, abandonment, and denial, and sorrow, and indifference, and betrayal. I don't know if you have ever experienced those. I imagine that you have at one time or another. That, that abandonment thing where people that you thought you could always count on are suddenly just not there. Or denial when someone that you never expected disowns knowing you. Or, or deep sorrow 
that grips you where you, you, you find yourself thinking, I don't even want to think this, but I, I, I think I don't want to be alive. Jesus knows that. Jesus suffered those very things for you, took those things on himself for you, that you need not be pressed in this way. Indifference. Indifference is a really weird thing. Not too long ago, we had family in town, and they were here to see the show that I've been in, 1776. And we were talking afterwards, and they asked me a question, well, what about this? And, and I began, as dads do, telling this story about what had been going on. And here's my kids, and they're around, and they're kind of handling the grandkids. And all of a sudden, I realized I'm telling this story, and nobody is listening anymore. Anybody ever had that? You don't have to raise your hand. Well, praise God, one of my daughters, uh, one, of my, one of my daughters in love, uh, so I just stopped, and she said, oh, Papa, I'm listening. Thank you. <laughs> but indifference. I wonder sometimes about the world in which we live, the, the Christ community in which we, we live, uh, about the Lord Jesus. Would he sometimes say, you all seem rather indifferent to the things that are the passion of my heart. You seem rather indifferent to the gospel that I'm trying to bring into my world, the saving grace that I have poured out. Let us not be caught in that indifference that he experienced. And surely let us not be caught in betrayal. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Most translations indicate that Jesus was now arrested. You'll see a little heading that says, The Arrest of Jesus. And I'd like to, you know, think about that a little bit. Jesus says to Judas, friend, uh, do what you came for. Isn't it amazing that, that his grace was not even dissuaded by this betrayal? Friend, do what you came for. Um, Jesus rebukes uh, Peter for drawing a sword uh, and, and cutting off an ear. You know, the last miracle, the last healing miracle of Jesus is to put an ear back onto this uh, fellow that got his ear cut off. His name is Malchus. Jesus made it clear, though, that there were 12 legions of angels. Think about that. One would be enough. 12 legions, like 72,000 angels, just waiting if he would say the word and call them in. John's gospel, I, I love it, the way John's gospel tells us that when they came for Jesus, they said, now, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am. <laughs> and when he said, I am, which is the name of God, about 500 in this regiment fell backwards on their backsides. It's just an amazing moment in which we realize Jesus is still in charge. He's still in power. He's still in control and authority over this situation. So what I want to suggest to you is that it is most accurate to say that Jesus was placing the Jewish officials and the detachment of soldiers under his arrest. What do I mean by that? Well, he went with them, but they were in his control. He, he went into these trials. He's, he, he stood before Pilate and then Herod. But he had control of this whole situation. They were carrying out a process that was going to be an atoning work for you and for me, and it was not going to be interrupted, even by a disciple drawing a sword. 
You see him now, and, and he's near the end of this mission that began a long, long time ago, and he's now ready to choose to suffer. Psalm 118. All the nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. This is what's in the heart of Jesus. They surrounded me like bees, and they went out like a fire among the thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. I wonder sometimes, how did Jesus walk this path, this journey? And scripture actually tells us uh, in Hebrews chapter 12 that there was a joy that was set before him. Since there was Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's it. Despising, that means dismissing the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Psalm 118, glad songs of salvation. Why don't we read this together? Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Now the Lord's Supper connects us to these very events. It's the way that Jesus said, stay connected to what I did what I am doing for you. Don't forget the great cost of your salvation. This is the supper that calls us, calls us to remember this great cost and sacrifice of Jesus. As believers, this is what we celebrate. So we're going to join in this time of worship here at the end of our service. And in the breaking of bread. Uh, If you do not have one of the little communion packs, if you would just raise your hand wherever you are, and Usher will bring that to you. I never where your blood was shed for me. There is no greater love. You have overcome the grave. Your glory fills the highest place. What can separate me now? 
was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the journey to the cross that you set in your heart in eternity, always having intention to never abandon us, to never forsake us, to come and to save us, even at greatest cost. We thank you and we rejoice in that knowledge. We give thanks for you are good and your love endures forever. In Jesus' name.